Welcome to Interviews with Innocence, a podcast about spirituality, consciousness, and exploring the wisdom our children bring into this world. I believe that our very young children are our greatest teachers. After all, they're the masters of living in the present moment, bubbling in unconditional love, enjoying the messiness of life, and curious about the universe in all its dimensions. The pure essence that young children exhibit lives within all of us. My hope is that these interviews will help us discover, embrace, and connect with the sacred core of childhood that resides within each of our hearts. I am your host, Marla Hughes. Today, I am honored and thrilled to have Sandra Champlain on the show. The fear of dying led Sandra on a 15-year journey to find evidence of the afterlife. She privately studied the worlds of psychic ability, mediumship, near-death experiences, induced after-death communication, electronic voice phenomena, and more. The death of her father caused Sandra to investigate the world of grief. She created the audio called How to Survive grief to share with others her findings that helped her relieve her pain. The audio went viral within months and listeners reported that it not only eased their pain, it gave them hope and even prevented suicides. Courageously, she shares her real story in her book, We Don't Die, A Skeptic's Discovery of Life After Death, now a number one international bestseller. She is the subject of the documentary, We Don't Die, by Emmy Award-winning creator Robert Lyon. Sandra is also the host of We Don't Die Radio, with now over 330 episodes all about the afterlife. Welcome to the program, Sandra. Oh, Marla, thank you for having me. It's a joy. I'm thrilled. It is a joy. It's, I've been so, so excited about this. So let's start at the beginning and um, tell us a little bit about your, about your childhood. Childhood, I would think pretty normal. Dad, an airline pilot, mom uh, was a a housewife and eventually became a travel agent. Mm -hmm. But it believed, well, let me just say this. We had a local psychic in the area who predicted that the Maid of the Mist boat, which goes under um, Niagara Falls, would capsize with a bunch of deaf children on it. And that never happened. So I remember hearing that none of that psychic stuff is true. People that believe in that are kind of lunatics. And you have to see it or hear it to believe it. Right. And that's just, I mean, we, we believe our parents growing up and that's just how it was. So that's... Abs- absolutely. And so how is it, I know that you developed a, a fear of death at, at a young age. And I don't know how young you were, but... And tell us about that exploration. Sure. My mom actually speculates that it was when I worked in nursing homes when I was 14, 15, 16, I did volunteering and then I became, I worked in the kitchen and then I went on to becoming a chef. I got a culinary degree as a chef that I saw a lot of death in those days. And I did. I mean, I remember being a candy striper, bringing somebody a plate of food and the next day mm-hmm. they'd be gone, you know, those kind of things. And so I don't know if that was in my subconscious or not, but it was the mid nineties that 
I just started really pondering those questions. What happens after we die? Does something happen? What happens to me? Who am I? You know, those really big questions that humans ask, you know, mm-hmm. when we look up at the stars. And for some reason, Marla, it just became this fear and this dread. Like, I don't know what happens. I don't know if I go on. And it just, it was just pure fear. And so I was busy. I became a chef. My mom and I have a catering business working with race car teams. But when the mind was quiet, it was, it always crept in. What if, what's going to happen? Where do I go? And this incredible fear was so brutal that the only way I could get rid of it is if I started looking for answers. Right. And so I know you did some research, but it didn't quite bring you the proof that you wanted. Yeah, I started researching first my own religion. We grew up Catholic, went to school, Catholic school, went to church every Sunday, started with that. And although great stories of faith, no stories that put me over the edge into believing. And then I got started studying major world religions and most major world religions, if not all believe in the afterlife. Right. And, uh, but that still didn't do it. And then it was just some you know, synchronistic events that ended up having me uh, get given a deck of angel cards of all things and had a very weird experience. Cause now I never believed in psychic anything, but I used to have some really tough days working at the racetrack. I mean, feeding hundreds of people, lots of burns and bruises, lots of long hours. And I had brought this gift deck of cards with me on one of my trips. And every day I just pull a card like, Oh yeah, angels, what do you say today? But most of the days I got the music card and basically the message was listen to music more in your life. And, and I did, and I don't normally listen to music while I'm cooking but what was weird is I started knowing the names of songs and what songs were coming on the radio before they were played. So all of a sudden now, yeah, my, my psychic sense started being shown to me. Right. Interesting. Isn't it, isn't it astonishing that we grow up in a faith that believes in the afterlife, but we still, I remember I just used to say, I just can't even think about death because then I think about what's going to happen next, but I won't be there. I mean, nothing's going to happen. You just can't wrap your head around it, which tells me that it's not being taught correctly. You know, we need a a new definition, I think, of of what really happens from, you know, from childhood. So I I know that you, um, your dad passed and tell us about the, the journey after that. Yeah, it was very brutal. And up to that point, I, I learned a lot of stuff about life after death, a ton of stuff, took a course in mediumship even, but never told anybody because I didn't want to be thought of as one of those weird people. Dad gets diagnosed with cancer January uh, 2010. He dies in May and it was awful. Not only witnessing my father, he had a tumor that broke apart his spine and so he was in a lot of pain. He had a pain pump installed in him. It was awful. Uh, but I relocated to Florida because I was the only single kid to be by my dad's side for his last months. And he ended up being relocated to Connecticut, which is where my siblings, some of my siblings lived. So I was dad by my dad's side. And so um, 
you know, if you were to ask me what I'm most proud of is like who I could be for my dad being there at that time. But unfortunately, a lot of fights started happening between my siblings and I about dad's care, things that like I could never predict. Uh, they became monsters. But the yeah. good news is, you know, I fell in love with my dad. Dad and I were semi estranged before that. He had a lady friend that he had lived with. And um, we were just weren't close. So I got that right. real closeness back with my father, in fact, better than it ever was. And then he died. And not only did I experience deep grief from losing him, because I do believe how much we grieve is directly correlated with how deep we love. Yes. It shows I'm a very loving person, but it hurt very, very bad. But then we, the relationships with my siblings, we started fighting about so many things. And then ultimately, uh, I got written off by all my siblings. And uh, I have one still out of communication. One is back in communication and the other ones will say on the fence. And this oh, is I'm so sorry. And years, but Marla had none of that happened. I would not have gone on to research grief, to research the changes that happen within our chemistry that we are out of control. Mm -hmm. I would have never had the guts to write a book and start talking openly and title a book, We Don't Die, because that's right in your face. We don't die, you know? Right, like, right. I mean? And it has them pick up the book. And when I, you mentioned the audio about grief, I include how to navigate through grief in the, in the book. So yeah, hard times, but it turned into a, a good thing ultimately. It, yes, isn't it interesting how the most difficult, painful experiences do bring bring forth transformation. As you know, it's, it's done that for me, but um, I'm not quite as, I'm not quite as far along as you are. So <laughs> I love when you say, however, because I feel the same way. I don't, I'm not just about, I'm not about grief. I want to talk about loving and living your life, you know, on this earthly realm. But, but before we jump into that, um, tell us about when you had, when you went to your first medium workshop, because I love that story. Oh my gosh. It's so funny because <laughs> I, at this point I knew I'd, I'd seen a medium do a, a demonstration and and my brain was trying to figure out how it could be fixed or planned. And the people in the audience were planned there, but I couldn't because it didn't cost much money and they weren't trying to sell anything. So I there really is something to this. So on this mediumship course, the teacher said, if you come to the course, you are somebody who's a medium and I'll be able to show you that you are a medium and da, 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 da. And I thought, you know, one way or the other, I'm going to either prove this as ridiculous or maybe there's something to it. And of course, the fear of dying really drove me to spend a heck of a lot of money and take a flight yes. to California to take you. By the way, I saw that it's in I live in Laguna Beach. Do you? Yes, I was. It was so funny when I was listening to your story. And you said, Laguna, it's like, Oh, my gosh. Yeah, yeah very still, far from I, you. Yeah, I still remember walking on the beach thinking, what am I doing here? <laughs> I didn't tell anybody either in my life. I said I was just going to, I don't even know what I said, some lie, uh, business workshop or something. Yes. And so what I do these, that a lot. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's cute. My mom says, oh, you're just going to go do one of your, your things. Go have yes. fun. Make a difference, yes. she says. You know, I don't need too many of the details. Okay. That's so cute. <laughs> it is. But at this workshop, we were 
taught about the afterlife, that people are very real and they're alive. They're not just balls of energy. You know, we're still us. And so she says, the teacher says, you know, you have to be very respectful. So she says, I want everybody to take a partner, a small group. So I picked this decent looking lady and yeah, I don't know. She was nondescript. And she says, I want, we're not going to do it right now, but she says, I just want you to imagine you're in a safe space. Okay. We're in a safe space. And she says, imagine somebody is behind your partner. Close your eyes, of course, while we're doing this. And I can't remember, but if it was like on the left side, it was your mom. And so if it was on the right side, it was the dad's side. I can't remember. But I, and then she says, all I want you to do is make up a person and tell a story. So I'm good at that. So I imagined that there was a man standing behind my partner, that it was her grandfather on the mother's side. I got this image of him puffing on a cigarette. So I thought, okay, he died of lung cancer. And now with my eyes closed, I'm giving her all this information. His name was Jan. He was a fisherman in Denmark. He had windburned skin and big gap between his front teeth and blue eyes. And he never told your mom that he loved her. He was one of these tough dads and he just was not very mm. heartfelt. So I opened my eyes, Marla, just like, okay, it's your turn. And this woman, there's just two streams of tears coming down her cheeks. Wow. Her, dad, her grandfather's name was Jan. He was a fisherman in Denmark. He died of lung cancer. He fit the description. And, and the mother had, her own mother had said, yeah, he, he wasn't very affectionate. Yes. So where did that come from? And then she right. came to me and talked about my grandfather and the German shepherd he had. And he worked with a cane and uh, worked in a hospital, et cetera, and so forth. And the good news is, is I got my aha moment that this stuff is real. The bad news is now that I did it, like I couldn't keep doing it that weekend. I was like, right, right. what did I do that time? The thing is, it's all, it's, you know, we're using our imagination faculty. And if we try to do it, if we fear doing it, if we say we must do it, I mean, that closes off the flow. Yes. So we just have to be okay to play, which is what happened the very first time, because I was just told I was making it up. Exactly. I've never heard of anyone. Um, I've been through to a few mediumship workshops and I love that just, you know, we're just going to pretend right now because that really does just open you up. You don't get fearful about anything because, because you're pretending. Another thing, <laughs> another workshop I did, because again, I, you know, I keep dabbling in these workshops, but I'm not ready to hang out the shingle that I'm a practicing medium. I do think right. we need to really practice and, and sit within their own power for years before. Absolutely. Because our imagination does kick in. But this one particular medium, she just said, I want you to just love the person who's across from you. Just love them. And then whatever sights or thoughts or feelings that come, just share. And it was like, boom, 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 all accurate. Because she says, it's just love. So it took away all the instruction, just love. That's beautiful. Wow, mediums are just, I suggest to my listeners, if you've never been to a medium, and well, I think we're all skeptics in our own ways, but um, there are so many wonderful ones out there that, that bring through such, such beautiful messages. Mm -hmm. So, so then I know that after your father um, passed, you really jumped into all sorts of different, 
different things, um, very much like myself, actually, <laughs> we've, we've been to, and I, you're the one who really started me. The first place I went was Banyan Retreat. I can't believe that's the first place I went, <laughs> and that was because of you. And um, tell us about some of those experiences that you've, you know, that you've ventured out on during your journey. Sure. Of discovering. I won't jump into Banyan first because I think that's yes. the, the hardest things for people to get their mind around. In fact, one of my listeners recently wrote me and she said, you know, I've really loved everything. But once you started talking about Banyan retreat and physical mediumship, she says, I think you went off the deep end. Yes. I've got to let you go. And I said, I understand. I understand. Yeah. You know, but if you don't, if you're not in somebody's shoes, it's very difficult to believe some of this stuff. So one of the yes. things I did, which was great, there are people that are mediums who are also artists. And so I sat after my dad died with somebody who was a spirit artist. And not only did she give me the most beautiful messages from my father, but she drew a picture of him, what he looked like when he was in the Air Force when he was young. And she, that's when she said, you know, it'd be whatever age and whatever our best health is. And I thought he's not in his 70s with all the tubes in him. He's back as a 26-year-old in the Air Force. And, and she gave me words that dad and I shared that there's no way anybody else yeah. could know. And that was fantastic. I've also studied electronic voice phenomena, which is the, the taking a tape recorder and recording something called white noise, although I know that was made into a scary movie. But it could be a fan blowing outside. It could be um, rain. Um, I had taken this course again. I was on this journey. Like I started feeling that I knew enough that I should be telling people about this, but I was so afraid, Marla, if they said, oh, give me a medium reading. I was so afraid of being wrong that right. I, I couldn't, I couldn't tell people. So I wanted to have something tangible, audible that I could show people. So at this particular weekend, uh, just a small group of people, we learned how to do these recordings and how to, um, it, that it's, it's all done with love, that the messages that come through are usually funny or they're loving or they're a memory. There's no scary stuff. There was, like I said, there was a movie named White Noise that was made. And I found out that the couple that taught me electronic voice phenomena, also known as EVP, were the ones that had, um, that this Hollywood movie company had come to. And they didn't know it was going to be a horror movie. And they told them about the science behind it. The good news is because that movie came out, a lot of people started researching EVP. A lot right. of people are practicing it with, with it now. But these great, really, it can be some very nice messages. It's hard to hear because it's really hard for the mind to get around. Is that a whisper or is that still the raindrops that I'm hearing? Mm -hmm. But like learning a new language, once you listen long enough, all of a sudden you can hear these repetitive things and you can actually hear words in them. And on this particular occasion that I took the course, I wanted it to be so true. I really did. Um, but I still wasn't convinced. And I held my tape recorder out and recorded raindrops. And I said, um, okay, you guys. And at this time I'm picturing my grandparents and my aunt and uncle. I said, if this is real and I'm supposed to tell people about it, I said, I need you to talk loud. And then I was going to bed and I said, then I'll say good night. So I, I literally pressed record for 60 seconds and said, good night, you know, into my recorder. And when I played it back, I can still remember, I think it was section, uh, second number 46 that popped up on the 
recorder, all of a sudden I heard what sounded like a voice and had my headphones in and I had to just keep replaying it, replaying it. And I hear in a man's voice, good night, Sandra. Oh my God. And then I hear two women go, good night, good night. And then another male voice go, good night. And that, Uh, that mean that gave me goosebumps. And I I just thought, oh my gosh. And I got to bring that into class and show everybody and let everybody listen to it. And so many people were there that had had their spouse die or a child die. And they didn't need to have a recording just by hearing mine. They knew it was real. So I went on and gosh, I, I recorded probably 2000 hours of, uh, of these. Um, I don't want to say working with people cause I didn't sell it, but when I'd meet somebody and they'd have some kind of a loss, I had the courage now to share my journey. And then we would try to do one of these recordings, you know, right. one of, in fact, one of them was in an airport. I had met this woman on the shuttle bus between the hotel and the San Francisco airport. And she told me that her sister had died in Hurricane Katrina. Okay, so this goes back. And uh, no, it wasn't her sister, it was her mother had died. And she hadn't been able to see her mother. And and anyway, so I I told her about this. And so I, I didn't know if this would work. We were sitting by a departure gate in the airport. And I said, we're going to try this. And I had the recorder. And of course, all you hear is talking out around. But we, we tried to say, oh, you know, mom, if you're there, can you say something? And the woman's name was, I think, something like Dee Dee. And so when I play it back, it's almost like somebody was speaking directly into the microphone, not the background sound. And it said, I love you, Elizabeth. And I thought, well, her name's Dee Dee. And she says, my real name's Elizabeth. And only my mom ah. called me Elizabeth. So I have tons of these stories. And you know, and that was just one of the things right. on that, the journey. Oh my gosh, it's great. Yeah. Wow. So what are um what what are the greatest lessons you've you've learned from all of these journeys and all of the the people that I want to, I'd like to hear some of your favorite interviews. I <laughs> sure can. I ask that, but yeah, well, some of the basic things is number one, we don't die. The title of my book is correct. Now yes. our flesh does, it does, it's gone, but we don't, we simply, and I know it sounds easy, but when we take our last breath and we close our eyes for the last time, we open them. Our loved ones are there. Our pets are there. It's like crossing the finish line absolutely beautiful. Um, No suffering remembered. Now we might suffer some before we pass. Also, it's been said that our soul can leave our body before Mm -hmm. we passed in in moments of suffering. I watched my dad suffer a terribly painful death with cancer, brutal. And I would sure like to believe that, you know, he stepped out of that body before that happened. But there's no memory of the pain or anything once one passes. When they come through medium, sometimes they do say, uh, yeah, I died by getting run over by a train, just so people can say, oh, yeah, yeah, that's my guy. You know, yeah, that that's sort of thing. Right. Um, but the afterlife, uh, well, let me back up. I have learned that two different kinds, at least two different kinds of energy can live in the same place at the same time. So right now, you and I are connected by the internet. We can't see this internet around us. I'm sure we've got radio waves and television waves and 
all kinds of different frequencies coming in. I've got the light shining in front of me here. There's all kinds of energy, all in the same place. When our body dies, that energy still exists. Science yes. has proven energy cannot be destroyed. It is vibrating at a different rate than we are, so we can't see it, but it's still here. So I love the term hereafter because that's what it is. But it's a world very similar to this. It's very, very similar. I don't think it's got all the negative stuff. I think um, right. life here, and I love this quote that our, our current life is just one thread in the fabric of our soul. There is a much bigger picture of who we are. I've spoken to enough people that have had near-death experiences. And while stories are different, because I think even human lives are different, you know, that that process is different. There's some very similar things. And one of them is that we have some kind of a life review. Now there's no man with a slate saying heaven to you for you, hell for you. It's more that we experience our own review of our lives from a soul's point of view and how we did. And many people say that when we experience this, we actually experience it from the other's person's perspective, mm -hmm. how we made other people feel. And while that doesn't sound so good, it makes me live a better life if I have to review this. <laughs> and it's made me do, give some apologies that I maybe wouldn't have <laughs> before. But right. after, after feeling that, you get to see the impact that you've had on people. And then you get to see the ripple effect of where it went. So you get to see really how your life mattered. So I do believe that our lives matter. I, I don't believe that we should regret things we did when we were younger or yesterday or whatever. Us human beings do the best job we can at the time, but the, it's all growth for our soul. So experiencing emotions are good, the ups and downs and all of that. Um, but our loved ones are there. I don't think we have all the intelligence of the universe. I think it's still a progression. I think people work and you're doing and, and enjoy things there. You know, I've been told by many different mediums that my grandmother is a greeter. <laughs> and I've also heard from <laughs> mediums about children, how they help other children through. And when you yes. start hearing these same things from different sources that couldn't possibly know, you know, you've got to believe. Right. It's so true about the life review when I um, learned about that. And it's, it's very funny because I interviewed um, Raymond Moody and he, <laughs> he said, you know, I don't think my life review is something I'd want to like share with people, you know, sit down with a bowl of popcorn and I <laughs> go and have everybody watch it with me. He was just being silly. But um, in terms of the life review, I, I so walk in my life differently. Like you just said that you do, because I, you really think about I don't know, smiling at that person that, you know, looks so sad or being extra kind or, or whatever you do, just how your actions affect, not only affect, but how they truly feel. Yeah. And that's, um, wow, that's, profound. that's it's, profound. It's brutal being a human being. It is. I think this is the hardest part of our journey. We are all, we all have this thing inside of us. I call it the voice. Some people call it the yes. inner critic. Critic. It never shuts up. It is never your champion. It never tells you job well done. It's always looking for the things that are 
undone or you shouldn't have said or it calls you stupid or it calls you ugly or it calls you old or it calls you fat da 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 never shuts up when we take that last breath that voice disappears and our true soul self emerges and i believe that our cuz i i've worked with enough mediums and even had my own mediumistic experiences to know that we are all souls having a human experience we can all tap into this unseen world it takes quieting our mind it takes um being in the present moment it takes you know using our imagination it takes talking to your grandmother and saying if you're close can you come back close and let me feel you and yes, if you ask. get goosebumps or if you think you feel you know a kiss on your cheek whatever that may be trust that it's that don't listen to that voice that says oh it can't be it's your imagination that voice will cut off mediumistic abilities i've done some esp psychic things and anytime that fear or that voice kicks in that whole faculty shuts off right so just being right. aware and having some compassion that we have that yeah and how beautiful to think that you know my passion or our young children, our children. And also I'm sitting here looking at my new puppy right now in animals. But um, to learn those sorts of those sorts of things at, at a young age, you know, about that little voice that's saying those things and don't let that you, you know be who you are and and all of that sort of thing. So can you and um, we don't have a, a lot more time, but can you tell us one of your one or two of your favorite interviews you've had on um, You Don't Die Radio? Yeah, I'll tell you two. I'll tell you about okay. Sonia Rinaldi and Scott Milligan. Okay. Great. Two of my so, favorite people. Yeah. And, and how can they not be? Sonia, who should I start with? Sonia, why not? Sonia is this little thing living in Brazil. And I actually found out about her through those people that taught EVP, you know, 100 years ago. They would say there's this little lady in Brazil named Sonia Rinaldi. She's using a telephone and she's actually recording voices of children that have passed on. And I'm thinking, how can that be? She would take, she'd have a parent sitting in one chair and an empty chair. And then she would record the sounds of, um, or play the sounds of like chopped up human voices. I know there's a better description of that, but that's how I say it. Right. And so she'd have the parent talk to the child as if they're in the chair and but she'd record these this broken up sounds and the in between well upon playing it back the child's voice would be there answering the parent on those questions and she did thousands of these she never charged a penny this was all done in portuguese so I thought, I don't know who this lady is, but someday, oh, I'd love to meet her. Well, not just have I met her, but she's also spoken on this show, on my show, and also she's come to my live uh, conferences that I've done. She has not just recorded this voices. Now she records, I mean, everybody's got to imagine, if you were to imagine like the static on a TV channel that's kind of in between channels, and she's got that recorded. And so she's got four different um, little projectors and she's got this plastic thing in the middle. I just want to say it's like a plastic egg shape. Right. And she'll work with her team and 
She believes Nikola Tesla and some great inventors from back in the day and people that were trying to record and be in communication with people in the afterlife are helping her. And she believes this because not only have they told her voice, used their voice and told their names, but she, she will film this static energy inside this egg. And then when she plays it back frame by frame, faces appear. Now, Nikola Tesla's face has appeared numerous times. Some of these other guys have appeared, but the most magical thing is people's loved ones are appearing and they are appearing clear. uh, But you know, you're in your best health. There are pictures that were never taken of them alive. One old fella died in his nineties. He shows himself in his twenties. The wife recognized him. Sonia had sent a group of pictures to myself with um, these are unrecognizable people to me. Can you share them in your Facebook listener group and see if anybody can identify them? Lo and behold, one of them was my father. Yes. And there's several pictures now of him and they're not pictures of him while he lived. And like I mentioned my mom earlier, who doesn't get involved with this, although she loves me and she listens Yes. Uh, it doesn't embrace it, shall we say. But I showed her the pictures. And I mean, if you could see her face just go white, like, where did that lady get that? And wow. Like, didn't. So that's one. Yes. I've actually had personal experience with Sonia that she's brought nice. my loved ones through in, in a picture. And it's, um, it's, the, it's, it's hard for many to believe, but it's the real deal mm-hmm. because I saw it and you've experienced it too. Yeah. She's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. And then Sonia just continues to give this away. She has not asked for a dime. She's yeah. the real deal. And we're, we're filming a documentary about her. Yes. Well, that's what I Which heard. is great. So Scott Milligan, this, now this for people, and you have full permission to think I'm a lunatic and Marla is, but unless you walk in our shoes, you know, you, you got to, see it, experience it to believe it. Cause I know yes. this sounds crazy. And that's probably why you went as well to Banyan. And so did I, there's something called physical mediumship. Okay. What a physical medium does is <laughs> sits in a, like a little cubicle. They call it a cabinet and people sit in a circle and you can probably imagine people in the end of the 1800s, early 1900s doing this singing songs. We're sitting in the dark and voices will come out of the dark, come out of nowhere. And also people can become real again. So this is where, this is the word I've always, I hate to say, I hate to say it, but the word is ectoplasm. And I hate to say it because you think of Ghostbusters, the green slimy stuff. So supposedly how they put it is out of the nose and mouth and ears and pores of these physical mediums, when enough energy builds up, this stuff, this fog-like stuff can exude from them. And then our friends that are deceased, that are in the etheric world, can literally step into this and this substance becomes hard and they can touch, they can hold hands, um, they can speak again to their loved ones. And I I had to experience it to believe it, just as you did, Marla. And the thing that makes me actually be able to say the word ectoplasm is I found out that um, 
Dan Aykroyd, who wrote Ghostbusters, came from a family of spiritualists who sat in these circles and their family witnessed this. And he grew up believing in the afterlife, knowing about ectoplasm, and that's why he used it in the movie. So I have witnessed amazing things. Now, I understand it's dark. The medium himself is tied down to a chair. Everybody can check to make sure he cannot get out. It's a small circle of people, could be 20, 30 people, holding hands, singing songs. If anybody breaks this, this circle, then you know there could be foul play. But the first experience I had was, um, it was uh, just around Thanksgiving. So we had a Christmas tree in the center of the room and all kinds of wrapped presents that were around the tree. And in the beginning of the seance, there's some talk. Scott Milligan is also a trance medium, which means people speak through his mouth. And they're people that once lived, but they're his, his workers, his helpers. They speak philosophy. They answer questions. And one fella speaks in an old English voice. Another speaks in a Cockney accent. And there's another one who's recently been speaking. Uh, there's Morningstar, who's Native American. Different voices filled with love and philosophy. Um, but that starts out at the beginning. And one of the voices had said, the children have arrived. And Marla, all at the same time, all the presents got unwrapped. You could imagine 12 children on Christmas morning uh-huh. ripping over present, open presents. That's the sound it made. Yeah. So then everything was moving around. A lot of the things have glow-in-the-dark substances on them. And you see things moving around. I've, I've seen um, there's a glow-in-the-dark plaque. And I've actually seen little hands holding the plaque. Yeah. Uh, and, and there's no child there. And while as interesting as that is, the reason Scott Milligan sits for physical mediumship is not because of that. It's because of letting loved ones who once lived actually being able to put their face into the substance and be able to talk to their loved ones again. I have seen people reunite. I have seen, I'm saying seen because I'm actually listening to this, Uh, I have heard a child talk to her father and give a code word that only he knew. Um, There's been people very close to ending their own lives and experiencing physical mediumship is a thing that pushes them into believing and not taking their own life. It is amazing what has, I, I mean, the reuniting are so real and there's so much evidence. When you go to a good evidential medium, they don't just say there's a man here and he's got an M name. I mean, they give details what they did for a living, all these things in these uh, circles, seances, they're called. The evidence is so clear, really clear who the person is. And then they get the opportunity to speak again. Some kids sing their favorite songs. I mean, it's really phenomenal. So Scott Milligan probably number one guest because he's got the best stories of these things happening. <laughs> and some personal stories too. Mm-hmm. I love the story about his, his sister. He, he doesn't tell that story that often anymore. I don't hear him. No, no. He didn't know that he had had a sister and she came through and went home and, and asked his mother or, or mentioned to his mother and found out he did. He did. She he had passed yeah. before yeah. he was born right. with the correct name. And everything. Yeah. 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 It, and I know it does sound, um, it sounds, you know, crazy or impossible to people, but, but you just, I, I just, 
want to open up people's minds and hearts. And I know you do too. And just be curious and, and go if you can, <laughs> if you're that curious, go because it will, it will change your life forever. So how has Sandra Champlain changed since diving into, into all this work? It's interesting that you asked me that. I, it was the deepest, darkest time of my life. And I had no spirituality, no faith, no nothing. And I am now living the best life I have. Uh, uh, there, nothing feels better than to be of service to other people, sharing what I love. Uh, Scott Milligan and Darren Wynn and um, Carrie McLeod, Philip Dykes, who are some of the best evidential mediums I've met yet, and Sonia Rinaldi and some others. We actually travel together. We've done a few We Don't Die live events. Um, right. We're going to do more of them in the future. We have created, I don't know if you know this, oh, I think you do know this, we've created a Sunday at home. Yes. I've kind of a, a church, church service. Like, I mean, it's, I think it's better than a regular church service because it's <laughs> filled with love. But at the end, we do a mediumship demonstration at the end. Um, I still have my voice that speaks loudly and it's always judging usually me for the negative, but then it's like, no, no, you're human. Forgive yourself. And I remember this magical world that's around us. And although I don't meditate as often or, you know, think about this thing very often because I am involved in this conversation, even talking to you right now, I am present to the miracles that I've experienced. I'm I'm present to the joy and so I'll be left now till I go to bed tonight, just thinking, oh my gosh, people really are around me. My jo- my life has a purpose. Uh, you know, I'm special. Um, the afterlife is real. And I just, I'm like a kid with a new toy. I want to keep learning and I want to share it with others to play with. Yes. So oh, it's amazing. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, Sandra, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm just, I'm honored to have you. And, and if people want to find you, it's pretty easy. Oh, but I have, a, gift. To... I have a, a couple of gifts too. Oh, you do. Always Great. gifts, always gifts. The home base for the radio show is we don't die radio.com. And there's a little pop-up that comes that says, do you want to join Sandra's insiders club? Yes. That's just my email list, a little fancy name for it. I don't send lots of spam or anything. But if you join and you can unsubscribe anytime, you get a free copy of that audio, How to Survive Grief. Mm. I've also got a PDF that's called Sandra's 19 Reasons for Believing in the Afterlife. It's great. (laughs) It is. And then there's something that says, read the first few chapters of Sandra's book. Now here's the secret. When you start reading, you'll realize it's not the first few chapters, it's the entire book. Uh I don't want anybody to be stopped because of money for getting this information and then also at that website you can find out about our sunday gatherings you can find out about any events that we're having online and in person and of and of course you can listen to well over 300 episodes and marla there have been people that i have met and for you this is a big pat on the back to you too the people probably that you'll never meet and some that you do but i had one gentleman who was ready to end it all. And somehow he found We Don't Die radio on YouTube. Wow. He says, I listen to almost every episode. And he said, I'm here on this earth because of what you've given me. So 
you never know. And this goes for anybody. You never know how hard people have it. You know, say a good word, give them some love and, um, and just share yourself. Yes, absolutely. And your book is amazing. Your audio, I've, I've read it all. I've listened to it all. And I am really encouraged everyone, you know, everyone to do that because it's an exploration of the meaning of life, you know, the meaning of who we, who we really are. So, well, thank you, Sandra. And you have a wonderful day. Thank you, Marla. And keep up the good interviews. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening in today. If you want to learn more about the show, you can find us at interviewswithinnocence.com and on Facebook or Instagram at interviewswithinnocence. Please write me a message. Tell me what you liked and let me know what else you would like to hear. I would love to hear from you. And if you liked what you heard, please leave us an iTunes rating and review. It helps other listeners find the show. Thank you. Thank you.